Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez, founder of the Virtual Event Sales Team and Wingman Coaching Worldwide. We provide world-class sales support services with integrity. And on this podcast, we interview successful event leaders and service providers that have led or supported profitable events online and off. Each episode will run for about 20 to 30 minutes, so stay tuned. This is Ray Higdon, author of Time, Money, Freedom. And on today's show, I will reveal how you can crush your events by maximizing how many people are in the room and maximizing the results of your offer. All right. Welcome to the High Profit Event Show. My name is Rudy Rodriguez. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Mr. Ray Higdon. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey, hey. Hey, hey, Ray. <laughs> I love how your name rhymes with so many things. I know I used to have like a jingle that went with your name, I think, years ago. You tell me about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, I know you're an expert in the field of, uh, of obviously network marketing as well as uh, leadership. And you have a tremendous amount of experience in the event space, having um, led and facilitated many successful events, both in person and virtual. Uh, I just want to share a few bio points for our audience in case somebody is listening and they don't know who you are. One, uh, I know you're a uh, two times uh, number one uh, or two times best-selling author uh, and a former number one income earner in a network marketing company. Uh, and part of your story is that you built that while you were in foreclosure. It's a really pretty cool part of your turnaround story. And you shared the stages with people like Tony Robbins, Bob Proctor, Les Brown, Robert Kiyosaki, and many more. And uh, your coaching company has also reached uh, the Inc. 5,000 fastest growing companies. And also you and Jessica are the creators of a reality show. Um, play to win, uh, which just sounds pretty cool. I look forward to hearing more about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome, Ray. So, um, you know, love just to start, you know, picking your brain about, you know, what inspired you to get into events, right? I mean, we kind of maybe tell a little bit about the Genesis story of how you started leading and became an event leader and kind of your journey and progress into events. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, my I first what what really I think I'll share quickly what first got me into speaking um, because I think that's relevant. Um, you know the I remember I was working at a county government and I was a junior I think I was junior project manager or something like that and my boss asked me to do a project update to the little section in the department, which are like six or seven people I'd worked with for years. And when she told me that I would have to stand up in front of everyone and deliver a speech, I was terrified. And, and so for three days, I didn't sleep. I went and got uh, speaking for idiots and, you know, like the dummies guide to, to public speaking. And, uh, and I was just terrified. I almost didn't go in, uh, but I went in and I did that speech and it was so bad because I was so nervous that my boss asked me if I was on drugs. And so it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good start. Uh, but after that, I, I remember sitting in the parking lot, I'm in my green Hyundai Sonata and I'm like, well, now everyone knows I'm an idiot and I should, uh, I'm just going to quit and I'm gonna go find another job. But I had, you know, two kids at home. I really couldn't do that. And so instead I went to college and, and took every public speaking course they had, joined Toastmasters, et cetera. And so about a year and a half later, I found myself 
um, out of that job and I was speaking at Planet Hollywood on the Vegas Strip. And so it was kind of once I got a taste of, you know, the power of, of speaking and the power of, of talking to groups, I really never looked back. And so uh, in real estate, uh, which was my first major career, I would say, outside of a job, um, I was running little events here and there, you know, 50, 100, sometimes up to 200, and um, just constantly, you know, putting value in, in front of people. And it really wasn't until 2013 that I bit, you know, bit into the big apple, right? And, and that was our first big event. And my wife and I were actually in tears uh, the night before because we learned how much this was costing. And um, it was, I think the cost was like $120,000. And we're like, oh my God. And this was going to be our first time offering coaching. And so we had a $20,000 option and a $50,000 option. Now the $50,000 option was only to make the 20,000 look better because no one's going to buy that. And um, there were 320 people in the room. And again, we were crying the night before, like we were so nervous and we're like, please, please, please let us break even. And, um, you know, I do the, I do the pitch and, um, you know, like 20 some take the 20,000 and three take the 50,000. So 320 in the room, it does five, we do over half a million dollars in sales. And it was like, oh my God. And then I was so nervous for these $50,000, you know, people, do I move in with them? Like I remember working an entire year for $50,000 and, and, you know, it was just so weird to me. And um, what really helped me and I think that it's a it's a good thing for people to offer to to make an offer to have an option that makes them a little nervous because I was definitely nervous. All three renewed after a year, and I think two upgraded from the twenty to the fifty the next year, and that gave me a level of confidence that I I, I could not have ever had had I not ever offered it. And so that kind of you know since then you know we've ran a, a whole bunch of events, but I'll let you take it from here. Thanks for sharing that, Ray. I didn't know that part of your story, and um, right, really uh, humbling. You know, you you and Jessica the night before were crying, and like just not oh, yeah. knowing turn out. And uh, but I also, in my experience, has been like some some those are the situations that we need to like step forward into that next version of ourselves. And uh, and sounds like it worked out beautifully for you guys. Uh, so congratulations on that, taking that risk and uh, making it happen. Yeah, thanks. Um, you know, I think our, I think our most successful, you know, since uh, I think we had one event that did over three million. Um, last year was a virtual event, and we had uh, sixty nine hundred registered, which I can share some, you know, strategies on what what we did there. But uh, but yeah, I'm happy to happy to help however you'd like. Yeah, actually, I think that's totally uh, relevant and valuable. You know, you I, I imagine had a, a business that was based on in-person live events up until March of 2020. And I imagine you, like many people probably had a shift or pivot to more virtual stuff. Um, maybe you can speak to that and speak to that success you've had um, with promotion of your virtual event and what you guys did. I think that'd be really valuable for our audience. Yeah. I, w I wouldn't, you know, it's, I wouldn't say we relied on events but the event was the big moneymaker of the year. 
right? So, you know, we, we aren't a company that does like events every month or something like that, but we do do one big event a year is, you know, we've tested a lot of different ways and we've done it a lot of different ways. And we kind of settled on one big event a year. What, um, so when, you know, COVID and everything happened, um, the first thing that stung was, you know, I get hired as a keynote speaker for a lot of events and, you know, and it's a, you know, it's a, I think a healthy fee. It's a $25,000 keynote fee and immediately 10 gigs get canceled. Right. So that, you know, that, that kind of stings. Um, uh, most of them, uh, you know, went to virtual at a lower fee or something like that. And then of course we had, you know, our event. And so we had to, to pivot there and, um, you know, in 2020, when we pivoted to a virtual event, I was definitely nervous for sure, but, um, we actually crushed it, man. I mean, we crushed it. And, and then it made me wonder like, why the hell we've we been paying all these hotels, you know? And, uh, but I, I don't think that's the way to think. I really don't. Uh, but as far as numbers, virtuals, can make a lot of sense. And they definitely did for us a whole, I mean, I think it was one quarter the cost and double the income. Like it was, it was crazy. The double the income part, I don't attribute to virtual. I attribute to our growth. Like it was, it was going to be a, you know, a double income kind of thing, no matter what happened, I think, but the quarter of the cost sure was nice. Um, I think the right, the better way to think is, that there will always be people willing to pay a premium to be in person. And, uh, and I, and I miss that. I do miss the, you know, in person, you know, some parts of it. And so, um, you know, this year we're actually doing, um, a hybrid, you know, so we'll have, you know, maybe 500 people in the room and, um, we're shooting for 10,000 on virtual. Wow. Incredible. Um, so hybrid event this coming year and, uh, your most recent virtual event, can you maybe share a little bit about that as far as, I think you may have said it, how many people you had present and, you know, just kind of some, what level of success you had there. Maybe you can speak to um, how you guys did that. I think that'd be really, really valuable. Yeah. So um, we had 6,900 people registered and, um, and, you know, and that, and that, you know, and these are, you know, people that paid something and, and I say something because we used every trick we possibly could. And, and I think that this is, you know, this part is gonna boil down to what is your, what is your community? So for us, we have uh, our rank makers group, which is about 11,000 people. They pay 27 bucks a month. And, um, you know, we give them a daily action step. Uh, we have about 7,000 people we classify as lifers where they, didn't want to pay the monthly. So they, they paid a, um, you know, a, a varying price, but a, a much heftier price to be a lifer. And so we give them specials and then we have our course buyers, then we have the public. And so I think the biggest thing around getting more people to your event or on your virtual is really having a plan of what's going to be your approach with your community or communities. And that's got to be really, really thought out. And so we were, we were 60 days out, or I think maybe less than 60 days out, I think 45 days out. And we were at like 2,200 people. And I'm like, oh man, this is, we're so far off. I'm like, guys, we got to get to 6,000. And so we just pulled out all the stops, man. I mean, so like for our higher clients, 
I, I put in there, hey, get a ticket. We're doing four live masterminds prior to the event. And so we threw the, the kitchen sink at them. Um, we, um, you know, one strategy I suggest is we had, you know, we have a group for event for ticket holders and we just pummeled that group with value and marketed the holy hell out of everything we were putting in that group. So we had scripts going in that group. We had special training, special interviews. We had bonuses. We had all kinds of stuff. I mean, we had swag bucks. We had swag itself. We had physical things. Like we, I mean, we just threw everything we could to make people really salivate at getting in that group so they buy their darn ticket. And, and so, um, you know, we went in, in like 40, 45 days, we went from 2,200 to 6,900. And, um, and one of the rules was they had, they had to do something to get that ticket. Now, did we have some people pay, you know, 50 bucks? Yeah. And we had, you know, some people pay because we had multiple levels. Some people paid seven or 800 bucks. And, and so, um, you know, it was, it was really good. And our, our offer uh, at the event, it was an $8,700 uh, coaching bundle, which did pretty good. Uh, we, we, we did a little bit better the, the year before, so we're going to make some tweaks to that. Um, but, um, but it did, you know, it did pretty good at the end of the day. I mean, it was over a million net after everything. And uh, so, you know, we'll take that. That's awesome, man. I, I love the... Uh... My takeaway here is like the group and how you made it so valuable and exciting to get in the group now <laughs> so that people outside the group were like tripping over themselves to get in. And just, I love how you just create that value vacuum almost and people are getting sucked in. <laughs> well, the- think about, because you can use urgency. Yeah. That's the big problem with, with, with events is there's no urgency. It's two months out. It's three months out. Well, we were creating urgency multiple times a week. And so like, hey, you want to be on live? You got to have your ticket. Hey, you want to catch the recording? Got to have your ticket. So we're, you know, doing urgency both ways, every way we, we possibly could. And um, a strategy we're using this year, which we're actually ahead of, of last year. And um, I mean, I think we're, I think we're at a thousand tickets right now. And we're, um, let's see, May, I mean, we're six months out. We're more than six months out and we're at a thousand tickets already. And, and so uh, strategy we're doing now is we're we're leading with VIP and super VIP, okay, virtual. And we're telling them, hey, there are gonna be some seats in person. However, when we open those up, we're gonna go to super VIP first. Mm. And so we think that's a really good strategy. Now notice what's not on the menu, GA. We're actually holding back GA and we're going to use that as a weapon as we get closer. And so the, uh, there's, there is one community that we release GA to, um, and that's our, our lifers. And then everywhere they go, we're offering upgrades. We're giving them reasons to upgrades. So we secured a whole bunch of them with, with, you know, with, with virtual GA. Um, and now we've been hitting them with upgrades. And, but to the public, the public's never seen GA, and they won't until when we're really, really close, because you want to understand the psychology. And, and like some people like, like, you know, I've, I've been coached by Grant Cardone. Grant doesn't care if, if you see a ticket at this price and you see a ticket at this price, he doesn't care. He's like, it's not your offer. 
right? So if you just paid a thousand bucks for a ticket and then you see it the next day for a hundred bucks, he doesn't care. He's like, whatever. <laughs> we care. Like, I don't, I don't want people to experience that because I don't want them to think, well, maybe I should wait for a better deal. So we have to really think about our pricing and we have to think about how do we reward people that take action, but then also not increase it so much so that that come time for the event, it's so expensive, hardly anyone can buy it. And so that's where the GA comes in, right? So if we don't publicly market the GA this entire time, we can roll that out for real cheap because hardly anyone's seen it. You know what I mean? And yeah. so we're holding that back as, as a little chip there. And um, and so right now we're hammering VIP and super VIP, and that's the majority of our tickets. That makes a lot of sense, man. That's brilliant. Um, you know, uh, in I know you're a student of uh, sales and influence in uh, the book Influence by Caldini, um, you know, Six Forces of Influence and giving urgency, you know, being a super important piece, anything we can do. Because I've learned that people will put off making a decision as long as they can until they have enough reasons to do it right now. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And also, Ray, one of the things I really appreciate about you, and, and, and it kind of came out in the last few seconds here, is you guys care. Like, you really, really care about the customer experience and that they feel like they're having a great experience. And it's a fair experience. And, and, uh, and I, I know out of personal experience working with you and knowing you that you care more about your attendees than you do about the money. Right. And uh, that's just, I think that's a beautiful place to come from. And maybe can you speak to that a little bit? Cause I think that's important for our audience to hear why you, why you care so much and how you, how you uh, communicate that. Yeah. Um, and, and you could, you could make the argument that that's actually greedy. You can make the argument that caring uh, on how the audience feels more than the immediate money is greedy because long-term they should spend more. Right. And so like, I want our people to, to happily be buying from us for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. And so I think, I think the best example of this, this sort of thing is when we first hired a call center, uh, I told them, I said, listen, I don't want to get complaints. I don't want y'all making them feel bad. I know what y'all do, right? I don't want you making them, you know, guilting them into, you know, and making them feel bad if they can invest. I, I, you know, do the best you can. Don't make them feel bad. I don't want to get complaints. And, and you absolutely could say, well, hey, that's, that's going to limit your money. And I'm sure there's pieces of that short term where that is true. And, and so I told him that. And then in the first you know, month, we got all kinds of complaints. I listened to the, I listened to the calls that we got complaints on. And I'm like, all right, this guy's fired. This guy's fired. This guy's fired. And, uh, and he's, and they were like, Whoa, dude. He's like, he goes, I'll be honest. Everyone says what you said of, Hey, don't make them feel bad until they start making money. And then they're okay with it. You're the first one to really stand by that. And, uh, and so I'm like, can't happen, man. And, and so, you know, I don't, I don't want people to associate us with heavy handed, you know, sales tactics. And, and does that cost me a little bit? I'm, I'm sure it does. Um, but I like to think in the long run, it keeps people longer. And so I, I think, you know, at the end of the day that they'll probably spend more too, you know, uh, but they'll feel better. And, and so it's just very, you know, very important. You know, I, I, I mean, in, in my pitches, I'll say, Hey, if you can't cover your bills right now, this isn't the offer for you. Don't buy it. If you're so stressed to pay your bills, then 
don't go plunking this down on a credit card and be more stressed out. You're pro it's probably not the right time for you. And, and, and I, I feel good about saying that. And someone will know if they're the type of person to go against that, right? Like I started my journey in foreclosure. Um, if someone had told me that you should go get a job right now, I wouldn't have listened. So if I can talk you out of hustling and grinding and, and doing the work to overcome, then, you know, you weren't, you weren't ready for it. You weren't at the right vibration. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, one of some of the training that I've gone through with is Scott DeMollin from Destiny Training is, you know, we don't mind stretching people, but we don't want to put them in financial hardship to the point where they can't even participate and be present in your program. Right. Um, and that's, I, and that's tough to know, you know, like I've, I've been in financial hardship and I could, and I could focus. Right. But I can't project that on everybody. I can't assume that of everybody. Yeah. I just love how you, how you let it be known though, that where your heart is and what your intent is. And then it's obviously up to people to make their, their personal choices, but you know, you're obviously doing what's in their best interest first, uh, not just what's going to line your pocket, which I think I agree with you ultimately results in uh, longer term clients, raving fan customers, maybe somebody who doesn't buy right now, but when yeah, circumstances yeah. change, they come back and they're like, I remember how rate made me feel, even though I wasn't ready to buy and they come back and they become your best, you know, most loyal customer. Um, so yeah, I love what you're sharing, man. I, it's really, uh, you know, important theme of our show here is emphasizing, you know, obviously people want to do events because they want to make money, but it's the experience that we're creating for people and how we're leaving them felt, right? We want to have an event to transform their lives. So they leave the event in a better situation, whether they bought or they didn't buy. Right. I think an important note when said that way is that I assume that an event is not going to change someone's life. It's only if you can get them into your program. It's only if you can get them to stay around the campfire. And, and so that's what I think is so detrimental about being pushy is not only does pushy not work, but it also pushes them away from your campfire. And, and so don't, don't look at my, my event's gonna change a lot of lives. Your, your event will stoke the fire and may, may lead them to change their life, but not the event itself. It's what they do. It's what they do after the event. And if they keep around the fire, but they're not able to buy, then there's possibility. If they buy, then there should be a much higher possibility. If you turn them off through pushiness, then not only are they not buying, they're also leaving your community, never coming back. There's no possibility. And so it's, it's a fine line of, of caring enough to have a great program that will help people and you, you stand by it and you, you powerfully represent it, uh, but also not so, uh, you know, pushy or aggressive. Yeah. Thanks for highlighting that a little two millimeter shift there. Um, just keeping them around the fire, keeping them in the community so that um, the change happens after the event and not, not pushing them away where they can't uh, make the shift because they're not around the support. Yep. Yeah. So Ray, we have uh, just a couple minutes left in our, our interview here. And um, why don't I just kind of open this up for uh, any recommendations or suggestions you might have. Uh, first of all, how can listeners uh, learn more about you? I think that's a good place to start. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm all over, you know, different social media. Um, so, you know, I do a lot of uh, videos. I do a lot of skits on, on Instagram. Uh, people tend to like those. Uh, Grant likes those. He mentions them all the time. It's funny. Um, 
And uh, so, so yeah, you know, check me out. I have my, our YouTube channel is higdengroup.com forward slash channel. And, um, and yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for sharing that with our audience. And any uh, like resources or recommendations that you would suggest to someone who is an event leader and they're preparing for their, uh, their next virtual or in-person event? Uh, I mean, as far as who I've learned from, I mean, I love, um, I don't know if she's still publishing stuff, but I love Lisa Sasevich. Give her a shout out. She's, she's incredible. Um, learned a lot, learned a lot from her. Um, I love, uh, you know, we work personally with Sage events. Um, you know, they work with Tony Robbins, a bunch of other people. And so we love Barry and Blue over at Sage Events. Um, they help us tremendously. And so we're big fans of theirs as well. Awesome. Two great resources. Thanks for sharing that, Ray. Yeah. And uh, any uh, closing comments for our audience uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, I would say, you know, events, um, it's, it's, really power, it's a really powerful opportunity to use manifestation in that you're channeling it to an event. And so uh, make sure that the time leading up to the event, you're already seeing the event perfectly as you wish it would be. And you're having conversations with people post event on how well it went. And so um, that's become a main stable of, of my life is just seeing and experiencing the things before they happen. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of makes me think a little bit of Dr. Joe stuff that you and I totally have. memories yeah. of the future. That's right. Dr. Joe Dispenza, an amazing course. Ray and I ran into each other at his advanced course. Highly recommended. I'm sure you do too, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Awesome, brother. Well, hey, thank you for being a special guest with Don today. And uh, for those of you still listening, if you found value today, be sure to subscribe. Also, share this episode with someone who you think would find value from the learning from Ray. And again, thanks, Ray, for being on and appreciate you. We'll go ahead and call this a wrap. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the High Profit Event Show. If you are a seminar leader or thought leader or event service provider who has led or supported profitable, successful events to over 100 people and you've been effective at enrollment into your high-end coaching, education, mastermind tech programs, we're looking for guests. Love to have you on the show. You can go to our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com. Click on the podcast tab and submit an application to be on our show. Also, if you found the show to be valuable, share it with someone who you think might benefit from it. Take a moment, please leave a review and also subscribe if you haven't already. And lastly, if you have an upcoming event, whether it be virtual or in person, and you'd like to have a conversation about how to fill your coaching, education, mastermind programs fast using events, you're welcome to book a complimentary 15-minute uh, consult with either myself or a member of my team on our website, virtualeventsalesteam.com. Again, this is Rudy Rodriguez, and congratulations on investing the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's been valuable. Have a great day.